there is a myth in in the world, in the world of romance, I suppose, that there is such a thing as a soulmate or right. a Mr. Right or a Mrs. Right. And the, the problem with such a myth like that is that it puts tremendous pressure on a person. Uh, if I'm in a relationship with someone, I'm dating someone, and I'm thinking, gosh, this might be Mrs. Right. I dare not mess this up because there's only one. Right. And if I mess this up, I'll lose Mrs. Right. Well, that's an awful lot of pressure on a person. Rather than Mr. or Mrs. Right, there is the one that I choose and the one who chooses me. Because, spoiler alert, they're both sinners. Right. Right. You know, they're going to let you down at some point. That's right. And, and uh, that's how I come to know who's Mr. Right or who's Mrs. Right is who do I choose and who chooses me? Who do I ultimately commit my life to and who commits their life to me? The, the other problem with the, the myth of Mr. and Mrs. Wright is if I marry Mr. Wright or Mrs. Wright, and then three years into the marriage, we're experiencing all kinds of problems, I start to think in my mind, oh my goodness, I've made a mistake. This is not Mr. Wright, because otherwise I wouldn't be experiencing all these problems. So I need to get out of this relationship because I got to find Mr. Wright or Mrs. Wright as opposed to recognizing we're two uh, flawed human beings and we've entered into marriage and we're having problems, now we need to uh, call on the Lord to help us. We need to look for resources around us in our family, friends, among mentor couples, in the parish, with counselors, whoever, so that we can work through whatever these issues are and come out the other side having grown. Welcome to Tulsa Time with Bishop Condola. I'm Adam Minahan. Uh, make sure to subscribe to our, our podcast. If this is a short video that you're watching right now, you can uh, make sure to go to Apple or iTunes, wherever you wherever you get podcasts, we're there. So uh, welcome back, Bishop. Uh, yeah. It's good to have you. Yeah, we're uh, people will be seeing this video around Valentine's Day, either a little before or a little after. And uh, so romance, of course, is in the air. That's right. Wedding one, season's almost here. One of the common experiences in campus ministry, where I spent so many years, uh -huh. was uh, couples who got engaged over the Christmas break. Okay. And so here we are in the new year. Uh, those couples, of course, were calling, wanting to get a date on the calendar, and when can we get married? And typically, parishes would would say to couples, you need to provide at least six months of time before the marriage date for marriage preparation. What does that entail? Marriage preparation, what does yeah, that what mean? What does that even mean? What does that include? And when should it start? Uh, six months before the wedding is enough time to get some things done, but the most important things, no. Right. And so... What I would say to people is, when should marriage preparation start? How about after birth? How about, how about as soon as you get that baby home from the hospital? 
<laughs> we can start marriage preparation right then. Because, uh, because marriage is a sacrament, mm -hmm. and thus preparing for the sacrament of marriage has to do with being a disciple of Jesus Christ, because all of the sacraments are lived as disciples, as the church understands it. Now, it's our challenge to do that. Uh, but if all that marriage is, is what the civil world understands of it, it's a, um, a marriage license of some kind. Right. Just a piece it's of paper. some kind of promise made before a judge or something. Um, it lasts until it ends, until love runs out. Right. I've even heard of people using such kinds of vows. I, I take you ha to have and to hold till love runs out, something like that. Oh, my goodness. And so... So if that's all marriage is, then there's no need for marriage preparation at all. Anybody can do it. Let's just go forward. But if marriage is a free, uh, informed, consensual um, relationship between three people, the couple and God, the man, the woman, and God who binds them, and it is till death do us part then that's a different reality and takes a different uh, preparation. So what parents can do in terms of helping their young people be ready for marriage is help them be disciples. Uh, one of the things that I, that I constantly saw was that couples who, the two of them, both of them, were really engaged in their role and their life as disciples of the Lord. They had already decided as individuals that Jesus is going to be the Lord of my life. Jesus is who I want to live for. Then when they uh, approached marriage preparation, it all went very smoothly uh, because they had this commitment already, and that commitment was stronger than their commitment even to each other. Couples who were not really living the faith struggled more, needed more time anyway. And so what parents can do is help their, their children to be disciples. How do parents do that? Parents do that by being disciples. A, a parent or mom and dad, two, two parents, who, who have faith in God but don't really live that faith, and then try to teach their children to live that faith, well, the children are going to see that. Or parents who live the faith, but they don't share with their children what they're doing, the fact that this is active, this is intentional on my part, I do this because I love the Lord, that takes something away from the children too. So, you know, I would recommend that parents reflect even with each other why am I a Christian? Why did I? Why was I baptized? Why do I try to live my baptism commitment? Why do I go to Mass? Why does Jesus matter to me? Who is Jesus for me? That they share that with each other, that they think and meditate on these questions so that they could explain it to their children. It's very impactful for children to hear from mom 
why Jesus matters to her, why she loves Jesus, what she has seen of Jesus in her life, and very impactful for them to hear that from dad. Uh, and then even for the couple to share with the children why we love each other and do what we do together as your mommy and daddy. Uh, children will have assumptions about mommy and daddy, but this gives them a window, an insight into that. Uh, so that's a beginning place. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I love uh, uh, what Fulton Sheen said, you know, that it takes three to get married, mm -hmm. you know, and so if you think about it as like a triangle with God at the top and the two spouses on either side, notice that the when they grow closer to God, mm -hmm. what happens? They grow closer to each other. To each other. Right? And so the closer that you get to God the closer you can love more of your spouse, mm -hmm. right? Because God is, is love. And so that if you recognize that you're, he's the creator and he's created you and he loves you so much, then you're able to uh, take that and then uh, send it out to others. Because, you know, is it better to love or to be loved? Mm -hmm. Well, it's better to be loved because then you know, oh, this is what it's like to be loved. Mm -hmm. And you can share that love with others. Right. And... and Without God in the marriage, without God as the foundation of the marriage, if all the husband and wife have is what each of them brings to the marriage, then the marriage is limited. And it, it's going to, yeah. It might even be fatally flawed. Right, yeah, exactly. That's depending on what they're bringing. All of us are sinners. Mm -hmm. And so one of the things that couples are going to bring into the marriage is sin, their own sin. Mm -hmm. uh, so... If God, however, is the foundation, then when we're when we have run out of what we have to bring, when we're faced with some trial or some difficulty or some um, insurmountable obstacle between us, and I no longer know what I can do, and I I don't have any idea what next. That's when it really matters that God is the foundation because He does. Right. Do I need the grace of, um, of humility so that I can say to you, I'm really sorry. I, I think that I have hurt you and I'm really sorry. God has that in limitless amounts. Right. I can go to Him and ask for that. Do I need uh, insight that helps me to see that this is going to take time, so I'm going to have to be patient with, with the way things are right now? God has that in limitless amounts. So all of the things that I need, that the couple needs, God has in limitless amounts. So that's why it's so important uh, that couples have this relationship with God from their tenderest years so that when they do reach their teen years mm -hmm. and when they reach those years where dating begins to be possible, they won't simply enter dating mindlessly. Uh, dating can be done as a way to gain sexual experience. Certainly we have a cultural uh, attitude yeah. that would say that. Watch our television. Right. It's assumed. Right. But that's not what dating is for. Dating, properly understood, is a way of discerning, am I called to marriage at all? Um, so, so do you think that date, like dating is, the end of dating is marriage? 
Correct. The end of dating, I would say, the end of dating is to answer the question, what is my vocation in life? Am I called to marriage? Am I called to religious life? Dating can help me discern those things, and everyone should discern them. It's, it's one of the misnomers in our uh, Catholic life, the idea that only certain people need to discern a religious vocation to priesthood or religious life. Everyone should discern a vocation to priesthood or religious life. Some people, it won't take very long. They're right. going to ask themselves the question, do I want to be a priest? A young man, he, he'll ask himself this question. And for him, the thought of being a priest is an entire turnoff. He just has no interest in it. Okay, that's probably pretty clear. If there's not some other reason, some ulterior reason or some woundedness or something that's causing that, if that's simply an honest assessment on his part that he knows the priest at his church because he's a faithful Catholic, he respects the life that the priest brings and lives, but he himself doesn't seem attracted to that at all. He's clear that he wants to raise a family. He wants to have a mm -hmm. wife, for example. Okay, so for him, discernment's not going to take very long. Sure. But it should happen. Mm. Uh, what I think happens too often is couples simply just go into marriage without ever thinking. Right. Should I be married? So maybe it doesn't take long, but it ought to be asked. It ought to be discerned. For the young man or young woman who sees priests or religious and who thinks, wow, that's really interesting what they the life they lead. Explore it some. Give Father Pratt a call. <laughs> He'd love to help. <laughs> the, the, the fear is that uh, I'm going to end up, I'm going to explore it some, but it's going to cause me to end up pursuing something that won't make me happy. Right. Okay, think about it. God, who loves me, who loved me so much that he died for me, is going to call me into a life that won't make me happy. See, so, so we don't have to worry about that. If I pursue it simply because I'm interested, it seems curious to me, uh, I'm going to pursue it, but if it's not what I'm called to, I'm going to know that mm -hmm. along the way. That's why so many who, who enter seminary, you know, people may not know this, we probably only ordain about 60% uh, of the people that go into seminary. And whereas in many walks of life, you might look at that and think, my goodness, that's a, that's a terrible fail rate. We don't consider any of those failures. If it's clearly discerned, if a young man enters seminary and then discerns two years later, I, actually, I don't think this is for me. That's a success because he went to discern, he discerned, he came to an answer, and now he's going to pursue that. Okay. That demonstrates that the church is not trying to buffalo people along, right? And God is not calling to people, calling people to things that are not going to make them happy. If what comes out of that though is that no, I think marriage is what my vocation is. Okay. Next, I need to to determine who am I going to marry. Hmm. I can't meet everybody in the whole world, right? Uh, so I'm going to have to have some means of deciding who am I going to marry. As important as that decision is, 
is my formation and my self-understanding that I'm going to be a spouse, which means I need to be able to be faithful. Mm. I need to be ready to commit myself and so forth. Yeah, so you have a, you have somebody who uh, is of age to discern what their vocation is. They have now discerned that marriage is, is their vocation. Mm-hmm. Uh, should they be discerning or looking for Mr. Wright or Mrs. Wright? Yeah, that goes along with the, the kind of dating that they should pursue, right? Um, dating, as we said, dating that's aimed at gaining sexual experience is maybe a cultural norm, but completely destructive to future marriage. Dating that's that's uh, oriented towards gaining experience, what we might call social experience or, or uh, sexual competence, maturity, in engaging in life with the opposite sex, that's very useful. But that kind of dating does not require uh, sexual promiscuity. Right. And that's something that couples should strive to avoid. That kind of dating also is aimed at trying to understand, does this seem to be someone who I might be interested in marrying? Uh, there is a myth in, in the world, in the world of romance, I suppose, that there is such a thing as a soulmate or right. a Mr. Right or a Mrs. Right. And the, the problem with s- such a myth like that is that it puts tremendous pressure on a person. Uh, if I'm in a relationship with someone, I'm dating someone, and I'm thinking, gosh, this might be Mrs. Wright. I dare not mess this up because there's only one. Right. And if I mess this up, I'll lose Mrs. Wright. Well, that's an awful lot of pressure on a person. Rather than Mr. or Mrs. Wright, there is the one that I choose and the one who chooses me. Because, spoiler alert, they're both sinners. Right. Right. You know, they're going to let you down at some point. That's right. And and uh, that's how I come to know who's Mr. Wright or who's Mrs. Wright, is who do I choose and who chooses me? Who do I ultimately commit my life to and who commits their life to me? The the other problem with the, the myth of Mr. and Mrs. Wright is if I marry Mr. Wright or Mrs. Wright, and then three years into the marriage, we're experiencing all kinds of problems. I start to think in my mind, oh my goodness, I've made a mistake. This is not Mr. Wright, because otherwise I wouldn't be experiencing all these problems. So I need to get out of this relationship because I got to find Mr. Wright or Mrs. Wright. As opposed to recognizing we're two uh, flawed human beings and we've entered into marriage and we're having problems, now we need to uh, call on the Lord to help us. We need to look for resources around us in our family, friends, among mentor couples, in the parish, with counselors, whoever, so that we can work through whatever these issues are and come out the other side having grown. Yeah. Yeah, and if you have any questions, you can reach out to Audrey Stubblefield here at the diocese. Mm-hmm. She's a, a great source. If you just call up to the diocese and ask for Audrey, she'll be able to help you there. Yeah, for resources. Mm-hmm. Now, okay, so but that means that love isn't necessarily a feeling, so well, to speak, because or at least not totally a feeling, because yeah. uh, at some point, you know, the the fireworks, the oohs and ahs fade. Right, and 
at some point. You're married. Yeah. <laughs> Careful. My, I, I'm not. I'm not saying Careful. that. I, I'm just saying I've heard. I've heard yeah. this. This, yeah. is, this is what I've been. I've There's been a told. rumor out there. There's that a rumor out people. there. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I want to dedicate this episode to my wife Haley. <laughs> well, in in other words, love is a feeling. Right. But love is, but marriage is not a feeling. Marriage is an action. Mm-hmm. Marriage is a decision and an action. It's based in love, but love is also an action. When, it, when we're talking about marital love, mm-hmm. we're not talking about merely a feeling. Right. We're talking about a decision and an action. So if I marry my wife and I feel tremendous love and attraction and affection for her on a given day, mm-hmm. that's wonderful. Right. But even on days when I don't feel that, I need to choose to come home and to be kind to her and to speak kindly to her and to appreciate what she's doing and to uh, serve her all the things that I promised in my marriage vows. That's marital love. And that's the kind of love that will live. Because if all it is is a feeling and feelings are fickle, then the marriage will be fickle. Mm-hmm. But to the degree that the marital love that unites us is a decision and it arises out of our will and not just our emotions, then our marriage is going to be much stronger. It's also going to be arising out of our relationship with God. Uh, people who are deeply committed disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ are going to seek to please Him And if I'm married, I'm going to seek to please the Lord in my relationship with my wife and family, Mm -hmm. even when I don't feel like it, Right. Uh, particularly when I don't feel like it. It's easy when I feel like it. Um, And so this is part of the reason why we say that promiscuity gets in the way of this kind of marital discernment. Uh, When I'm sexually intimate with someone, it causes me to feel like and to think in the terms of there's a commitment here. There should be a commitment here. We're sexually intimate. But there's no reason for there to be a commitment here. We're not married, mm-hmm. and we don't know that we will be married. We haven't made that decision. Now we're acting like we're committed. That's going to cause all kinds of, of uh, confusion in the relationship and get in the way of marital discernment. Mm -hmm. Uh, I I jokingly tell people that I did uh, marriage preparation with many, many, many couples, and I was successful four times, and all the other couples got married. And so (laughs) it's it's a funny way of saying that uh, couples who are doing marriage preparation are still discerning. Right. They may be engaged, but engagement is also still a time of of, uh, discernment. Engagement is not marriage yet. And if during the engagement period, if during the dating relationship or or the engagement period after it, we come to see that, oh, wait, there's some things we need to deal with here. Uh, We should be willing to slow things down, to take more time. And if we see that there are some problems here that are really uh, something we shouldn't try to surmount, Mm -hmm then we should be willing to say we're not going to get married. 
Because mm-hmm. ultimately, like you know, marriage is is for the uh, procreation of ch- of children, but to and also to to get your spouse to heaven, mm-hmm. right? You know that um, if you know what the end of of man is, ultimately to be with God, and love is willing the good of the other, mm-hmm. you know, the desire for the good of the other person, and you when you enter into marriage with one person, you set apart that one person from everybody else, mm-hmm. right? And say like, no, this one is the one that I will love, I will love mm-hmm. and I desire to be with forever in heaven, praising God. Mm-hmm. So when you, when you have that idea of love that, that, that we want to uh, be with them forever in heaven, mm-hmm. um, that is, is, is the love, I think, that Aquinas was talking about, willing the good of the other, right. not necessarily just the feeling of, 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 of love. Right. And that's a way also of understanding uh, what the virtue of chastity is. Chastity is sexual competence and a willing the good of the other. I don't want to lead someone else into sexual sin. I don't want to intersexual sin for myself, and I don't want to lead someone else into it. If I really respect this person and or even love this person later in the relationship, then even more so, I should be wanting to protect this person from falling into sin, myself or them. And so that's why I want to be chaste, even modest in the relationship. Um, All of that helps a couple to clear the ground for discernment of marriage, to focus on the Lord, the relationship with the Lord, each of their relationship with the Lord and their relationship as a couple with the Lord, and to focus on the virtues that they want to develop and need in their uh, married life, Um, all of which is helped by a relationship that is not confused by sexual intimacy before marriage. The priesthood in the religious life is is such a uh, mystery for, to the to the modern world, you know, because they just see, you know, why would you give up marriage, right? And the reason why you give up marriage is because it's marriage is such a good that celibate life is is good because marriage is good. Mm-hmm. Um, but you're having to lay down your life for a greater good. Right, as a priest, like you're laying down your. So, so are you. So that yeah. So that's what, that was my thing. Is like, <laughs> so when you enter into a vocation, or when you when you're discerning a vocation, if you can't lay down your life, if you can't be prepared to lay down your life, then you're not really ready, maybe, to mm-hmm. enter into a vocation. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, because if if I can't lay down my life uh, <laughs> for my wife, then I don't. I don't, I'm not ready to be married yet. Mm-hmm. If you if you're not ready to lay down your life for your flock you know, for all of Eastern Oklahoma, mm-hmm. you know, then, then maybe you're not ready to be a priest yet. You know, maybe right. the, the, you're not mature enough right. to enter into, or to discern that yet. Do yeah. you think that's true? And I've, I've had that conversation with uh, young men in college. If you're getting ready to go out on a date with your beloved, but you're thinking in your mind, how can I convince her to have sex with me? Are you really respecting her? Right. Can you say that you're respecting her? Can you, if you can't share your plans for how you hope the evening will end with her, mm-hmm. then you're not being honest right. and you're not respecting her. So how can you say you love her? Right. Now, 
We live in a culture that says, no, no, I love her, and that's why I can do this. And she'll agree. It doesn't matter if she'll agree or not. You, for yourself, are willing to lead her into sin. In what way is that respecting her? In what way is that showing love and care for her? So if we, if we start with our faith as the starting point, that's why we said that for parents, when does it begin? At birth. birth right. So that our faith will be what guides our dating. Mm-hmm. If we do that, then we're going to be fine. Jesus will be with us through it all, and we're going to be fine. But if we put our faith in the back seat Mm -hmm. because we want to do something that goes against it, then we're immediately going to be heading into trouble. And then if we're going to put our faith in the back seat, how is that preparing us for marriage, which is a life in which I'm also trying to get my spouse and family to heaven? Uh, It doesn't work out that way, yeah. Right. Okay, so maybe next week, let's talk about, you know, there are some people who uh, maybe out of ignorance or out of, you know, out of no malice or, or, or desire to do evil, right. uh, but they have found themselves in these certain situations where they're living as if they're married outside of the context of marriage. Mm-hmm. Uh, what do they do? Let's talk about that next week. What do you okay. think? Sound okay. good? Mm-hmm. Thank you for listening to Tulsa Time with Bishop Condola. We'll see you guys next week.